The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, everybody. This is our first ever somber victory podcast, I think. (laughs) The Jets won for the fifth time in seven weeks, the fourth time in a row, and it all feels very hollow considering what this game cost them going forward the rest of the year. In case you get all of your Jets news from us, I don't know why you would, but in case you do, (laughs) star rookie running back Brees Hall and starting right guard Elijah Vera Tucker have both been ruled out. For the rest of the season, it is not hyperbole to say that Brees Hall has been almost all of the Jets' offense over the last month or so. So it'll be interesting, Kev, to see how this offense functions without him. I'm just afraid about the future of the team now. This is um, this is what I would call a devastating win. So it never gets any easier here on Just End the Show. Even when they win, it doesn't get any easier. I don't know how you felt about that, but yeah, that was my opinion coming out of it, was just like, oh man, talk about the ugliest of ugly wins, and the main story is Brees and AVT being hurt for the rest of the year, but just, yeah, there's the offense doesn't look good, and I'm just scared. I don't know, but Patriots is one thing, and they've been you know, a thorn in our side for so long, but this, just in general, I'm just a little bit frightened about what's going on. Uh, on the injury front coming out of this and also the the fact the offense is not working. The defense is still, you know, still doing it, but yeah. We're not allowed to have nice things. The problem with ACL injuries is not just that he misses the whole year, but then you start to wonder, okay, is this going to be the same guy we get back? Like, to recover from that injury, sometimes it takes more than one offseason until you see, like, the explosive version of that player. I mean, we finally have, like, good Saquon Barkley back, but, like, how long did Saquon look mediocre? So um, this is just like devastating, devastating news on Brees Hall. Three hypotheticals, right? Becton, healthy, Brees, not Jets ACL tear land, and Geno Smith, quarterback, fucking undefeated. The oh, Eagles my God. Scared. It's a Jets when I wouldn't, Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> what I wouldn't give to have Gino again. Gino! I, at this point, I'm kind of celebrating with him. Did you see where he threw the first down and then he's barking on the sidelines? <laughs> oh, my God. And you're like, Gino. <laughs> Oh, Chino man. Smith is like your God ex-girlfriend who just like breaks up with you and then loses a hundred pounds. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You had that in there the whole time? You had you Can you fucking imagine this team with him playing court? Like they are legit. Like if he played seven games, we had three Flacco games and they're five and two. Can you imagine that? They're fucking under they, they're six and they probably lose to the Bengals either way. But they're Yeah, maybe six and one. Maybe <laughs> six and one. <laughs> The Jets texted Gino, but he ain't right back. So <laughs> he goes to us. Did you did you remember that 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 like Twitter video of Gino where it's like he after he balled down a week one, the reporters like Gino Smith. You know, a lot of people 
wrote you off and he just like he just goes yeah you know they wrote me off but uh i ain't right back and it's like that doesn't like make any sense and then like in terms of the analogy <laughs> but now like ain't right back is like gino's thing like <laughs> he doesn't understand analogies but he understands the shit out of that p carroll offense <laughs> <laughs> the jets are favored by Four and a half if Gino is playing quarterback for seven weeks. They're they're coming in. They're Vegas zoning the shit out of this. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And it's so funny too. Like, can you like, like just think about like the how smart the Seahawks front office feels right now. Like, we got rid of how much of Russ's contract I to know. play Gino, and they have to deal with this fucking guy who they signed for three more seasons after this. You fucking idiots! Like, Unbelievable. Uh, Denver is screwed. The over under was well, we didn't talk about that. The over under on the year was five and a half, right? Yeah, the Jets over under on wins going into the season was five and a half, and, and you they the only over? need one more win the rest of the year. <laughs> I said to have that, didn't I? Didn't yeah, I say that you they did. Were hit that over easy. Yes, yeah. bets. So you I'm right two years in a row. Most improved last year, but you hit the. I Jets did not. <laughs> I, uh, I've hit. I've hit their under over on wins each year by hammering under last year <laughs> and telling other people to do the over this year. I do not do it myself. Because Vegas did that uh, thing where they like handicapped the VIG too hard. It was like, yeah. yeah, over five and a half, but it's like it was like minus like one fifty eight. And I was like, Well, if you don't make it like even odds and yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'd rather you like mess with the win total, like bump it up an extra win, but they like they don't do that. They mess with the VIG instead. And that's all like unlike yeah. last year where it was the under was minus one thirty five and I just laid the one thirty five to win the hundred. Like I didn't even care because it was such a guarantee. And then they yeah. had to scare me against Tampa. And I was like, oh, my God, if they win this game <laughs> against Tampa, like, the Bills aren't going to play anybody. They're going to play Trubisky next week because they already clinched. Like, they're gonna, like, fuck me out of this money somehow. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, you know Tom yeah. beat us, and they kept Josh Allen in there, and he kicked our ass, and it was a moot point. But, yeah. <laughs> the Jets did make a trade in the wake of the Hall injury, acquiring running back James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars in exchange for a conditional six-round pick. Yep. Uh, so I'd expect to see a healthy dose of Robinson and Michael Carter this upcoming week against New England. I think the plan, and even in Brees' absence, is going to stay the same, right? It's going to be run the football, I think. I don't think you can trust Zach against the Bill Belichick defense, can you? Right, yeah, that's true. And uh, obviously the fear here is that that's going to be the one thing he tries to take away as as they as they are want to do but yeah i i appreciate the trade i think it was a really good move actually it's yeah like you're saying the whole offense is really relying on the running game right now and there's reasons for that that we're going to get into but yeah in terms of the trade itself i mean i think that this really works you know i'm not super worried about losing a day two draft pick in the wake of you have a five and two team that can compete with uh, seemingly everybody on defense, you know, and uh, the offense is the major concern. So if it's revolving around this running game, you have to be able to plug that hole. You can't have Ty Johnson in there. You just can't. And so this is the move to make, and they made it. I appreciate that. But yeah, it's um, it's the def- it's all it's the all defense show right now for the Jets. And so for if you're if you're looking for wins going forward and how this is going to work, um it's all going to be kind of relying on that run game, I think, and the, and the also specifically the run blocking, which is going to be harder 
with AVT out of there and uh, with already an offensive line that we were just barely like kind of being like, oh, look, they actually patched this thing together and they've been playing well. And then, of course, we get a devastating injury. So it's all it's all really it's all sort of back to our usual uh, fare in some weird way, despite the fact that the team is five and two and they can really, really compete on defense. And they have this great draft and they do seem to be coached well. So somehow we've managed but to end up in somehow uh, some weird Twilight Zone version of a Jets season this year. <laughs> yeah, and maybe let's start with that. Let's start with the winning that they did on the field in Denver this past Sunday. First of all, like, weird to have to wait for a 4 o'clock game. Right. I think we texted about that a little bit. I don't like that. I like my team to be on at 1, and then I've got sort of like the rest of the day to enjoy like normal football games where I don't have a rooting interest, maybe only a gambling interest. Maybe, maybe a gambling interest. Not a big fan of the Jets at four o'clock. Maybe the Giants fans are like a little bit more used to that, but yeah, I had a monster gambling week in a good way this week. So that was, that was helpful to me. <laughs> I cut into a lot of those NBA losses I've been, I've been suffering because the, the NBA is very drunk earlier in the season. <laughs> early, early on, there's been some unpredictable. I've managed to avoid the fray. And I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy for it. But um, welcome to just end our wallets. <laughs> I've been screwed by the tanking Utah Jazz. Oh, God. Yeah, not once but twice. <laughs> so it's not not been a ton of fun. But it was a good week for gambling on football. I had a lot of the the underdog upsets in uh, around Robin uh, underdogs that did not include the Denver Broncos because I did not believe in them, and I was right not to. Whether it's Russ or whether it was Brett Ripon, like it ended up being. You're just not afraid of this Denver offense, and they predictably did absolutely nothing on the Jets. At no point did it ever feel like Denver was in this game, despite the fact that they led for like a significant chunk of the second half. I don't know. I feel like this was kind of never in, in doubt for me. I don't know how you felt. It also helped that Brandon McManus just had like a nightmare game and probably left at least between four and seven points on the board for Denver. Yeah, he had the missed field goal, he had the missed point after, and that kills you in games that are all kicking and punting and defense and nothing else is happening. That's And you have your backup quarterback in there, yeah. So he was an absolute uh, MVP for the Jets. Yeah, no, it's been... Uh, uh, it, it was. This is as ugly as it gets game-wise. I think uh, I want to say Braden Mann punted seven or no, eight times, something like that. So this is one of those games that was just field position maybe a tiny bit of back and forth but it just really the like outside of the breeze hall touchdown early on just completely <laughs> devoid of highlights and you know th that's not something that maybe should be unexpected in a mid-season jets broncos game but obviously like we said going going back to last week's podcast how excited we were to watch the team how exciting it is that they have this great explosive defense we have these great offensive rookies who are playing well obviously you lose breeze but you know, I I texted you about this, too, about the offense. Um, I understand that every team in the league is having problems throwing downfield, and there's this lack of explosive plays. There's this, like, you know, dearth of points that everyone is talking about. Why is no one scoring? What's going on? And I understand there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, and everybody who knows more about football than I do has, like, talked about that. And this, But, like, 
why can they not just run a few plays where they have Garrett Wilson go really far down the field and have Zach try to throw it to him? Like, I understand the fact that Zach's doing this playmaking thing and, you know, he's able to evade these tacklers and he does have the athleticism. And, and again, great to see coming off the knee injury. Look, he's, you know, he's mobile. He's doing the thing that we want him to do. But then it's like he has to force a ball to Tyler Conklin, like, over the middle after he's, like, dancing out of the sidelines. It just feels like... Why is the, you know, at a certain point, I feel like with the broken down plays thing, like, or with the kind of dancing around plays thing, it's supposed to kind of become schoolyard football, right? Where people are just getting open. And yeah, I, I'm just sort of curious about why can't there be, first of all, a more design plays for Wilson to just be one on one trying to win things. That's a, and then B like why there's I look and I get it the De- Denver defense is great so it's possible that this game just nobody's open and and that's like a lot of the problem but I just um it's a little worrying for me to see the fact that while I I encourage I love the I'm encouraged by the whole him running around thing uh and being able to avoid tacklers it's like he just has to force it into people who are just not really good you know, Tyler Conklin's like not really that good at catching footballs that we've seen so far yeah and you actually put it best earlier in the week uh you said that my texts are always better than the podcast. I should just, we should just release those. <laughs> they're a little, they're a little angrier. We should just publish those on the podcast Twitter account. They're a little angrier, slightly angrier by like 10 or 15 times, but yeah. Yeah. You said that Zach looks like he's doing a bad impression of Patrick Mahomes a lot of the times. <laughs> and I think that's really like the perfect way to put it. Cause like you said, like the evasive stuff, a lot of the mannerisms, you know, trying to throw it you know, throw one way while running the other. It's like Mahomes-esque. It's just like not cool when Zach does it because he's not throwing to open people at the end or he's taking a sack at the end because Mahomes knows when somebody's behind him. Yes, and he's not picking up running yards. And he's right. not, he got the one first down, but it's, it isn't even like he's making plays with his legs. It's just, it's just the first part of it, but yeah. I have never seen a quarterback as fast as Zach that like doesn't run. Maybe aside from, like, Mitch Trubisky, if you watch the Steelers, you're like, why doesn't he just run? He's clearly good at that. Like, I think Zach's fallen into that trap a little bit. You look across town with what Dayball's doing with the Giants, and it's like, Daniel Jones has a billion rushing yards. So, like, well, is Zach that much slower than Daniel Jones? I don't think so. Not really. Zach's pretty quick. And I feel like we could institute a lot of those similar concepts with our running game. I don't know. And the Jets have more offensive weapons that we could at least be teasing defenses into try to chasing around than like Wandale Robinson and a bunch of people you had never heard of. But yeah, look, the Giants are being really, really well coached. Everybody's talking about that. They're also, I think, getting lucky. But we're not a <laughs> we're not a Giants podcast. We'll leave that to somebody else. But you let, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. And it just it's sort of it's so frustrating because you can totally see the pieces of Zach. It's like very close to coming like or it's it doesn't feel close now, but it feels like there's some random tick that like some game or something could lock him in, but I don't know if he's afraid the running downfield thing, I don't know if he's afraid to get hit now after the after the injuries and that's something that would be mm. really obviously detrimental to his game overall you know if you look at somebody like Josh Allen that guy in my opinion takes too many hits too many reckless hits like yeah. and for somebody like Zach I I could understand being skittish after the the his history is you know his very brief history in the league here but well it's sort of twofold right it's it's could be Zach being skittish and a lot of that could be coming from the coaching encouraging him not to run right Maybe the coaching staff is skittish after his knee injury. They don't want him getting hit. So sometimes it's not even up to the player himself. 
you never really know with that kind of a thing. Yeah, and the play where Brees Hall got hurt, that's a fluke thing. You know, it's not anything. It, but I was thinking about the fact that, of course, they're having to run all of these plays with Brees because the passing game is just totally ineffective. And so it's a part of me is like, so, you know, I like what LaFleur has done in general with the offense. And I think he's done a good job of capitalizing on the fact that like, you know, early on in the season, he was doing a good job of capitalizing on the fact that we can run, we can go into green Bay and run on these guys. We can do this. Like our defense, we can trust our defense to get off the field on third down. Like we said last week, all the stuff that they can't, they were never able to do. But obviously now with Brees Hall not in there, mm-hmm. you're now just looking at you have kind of the shambles of a passing offense, really, and this running attack that's going to be Carter, who we like, but Carter's Carter, and then a and then uh, James Robinson, who they picked up, who should be good and seems like a good pickup. But I that's not the most scary offensive attack in the league, you know, is to have like a Carter, James Robinson, like main attack, like. I think that, and we haven't touched on the Elijah Moore thing, which maybe should be a whole after mm-hmm. a break thing or whatever. But the, you know, the bottom line is like, it's it sucks not having him out there, and that that's uh, affecting their offense as well. Is not having an extra weapon out there to get defenses to spread out or to you know just not having that talent on the field is obviously a big part of this. But I just. Even with him in there, I just don't feel like I'm confident. Like we said last week, the main problem with the offense right now is Zach. And I think sometimes you essentialize things talking about football, about, you know, the classic, if somebody wins, it's the, you know, the quarterback won it. And if they lose, it's his fault. And But like, we're watching this. Right, yeah, wins being a QB stat, which we hate on this podcast, yeah. (laughs) But at this point, we are looking at Zach and going, he's the reason that this offense isn't functioning right as far, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you look at the throw with Denzel Mims and that throws behind him and he gets hurt, you know, and it's like there's certain things where it's just like we just haven't seen it. We just haven't seen the growth. And I get it. He just played game 17 of his NFL career. So technically that was his rookie year. But like, oh man, like I really wanted more development than this at this point. And we're looking at a team that obviously can win. And at this point in this NFL, any it seems like anybody can right. kind of win. So it's just, you know, it's really frustrating that maybe this year could be being capitalized on so much more. So going forward, it's man it, we've said it before and we're going to say it again it's all it's kind of all on Zach right offensively you said it we really need to see i mean no one expects him to be a star quite yet but we've really got to see more growth from year 1 to year 2 right and we we've really got to start seeing some of that year 2 growth because we're really seeing the same games that we saw early in the season last year from Zach and it's just really not encouraging and at the present time He's bad until he proves that he's not bad at this point. At this point, based on the sample size we have, he's not a question mark. The arrow's pointing down until he can somehow come back and get it pointing up. Is that, like, fair? Is that overly critical? I don't think it is. I don't think it is overly critical. I think if you want to, you know, to, uh, I guess, play devil's advocate, you know, just so that we're not just both kind of on this side, I guess you could say that at this point we're really going to have to see it from him because... When I think LaFleur, unquestionably, if you look at the second half of both of these games, has really just heavily relied on the run. And Zach's just been a guy who's handing off the ball. 
we haven't seen it from him, right? And I get that. But on the other side, it's like, I guess, how do you, like, what, how do we square this? Because on the, like, we're both not, we're both agreeing on this, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, if he has, like, an incredible passing game, like, we were happy about him with the Steelers game. Mm-hmm. I think he actually had a pretty good game against the Dolphins, too. Like, there's, th- there's been glimpses, but it's just like, you know, they're a five and two football team. They're a competitive team, right? They've got a talented roster, and they're and they're getting it done. They've won four games in a row, right? Um, albeit against you know mid to bad competition. I don't think we knew this when we recorded the Green Bay episode. I think it's fair to say at this point that the Green Bay Packers are bad. I don't think that's unfair. Yeah, that. <laughs> but <laughs> that's you true. know what? I think the New England Patriots are bad too. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday the twenty fifth, so we just watched Monday Night Football last night, and the Patriots got absolutely smoked by the Chicago Bears. The Patriots got smoked on defense by the Chicago Bears offense, which is like incredibly encouraging for the Jets I know. going into next week because all the, you know, the Bears have a worse passing attack than we do. And the Bears ran for 243 yards last night. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, whether it was, you know, Khalil Herbert, it was Montgomery, it was the you know, fields at 80 yards rushing. So, you know, they, they ran all over the Patriots. And that's really encouraging to see because that's the formula for the Jets, right? It's just watch the tape of Monday Night Football and just do that. <laughs> Get after Bailey Zappi because if he doesn't have time, he's as bad as anybody. I know the New England fans are, like, obsessed with Bailey Zappi. And, you know, hopefully we'll have Johnny Christofferson, our in-house Patriots analyst, on next week oh, yeah. to go over this game. And he could kind of get into a little bit of the, the Zappi versus Mac Jones quarterback controversy slash non-controversy, how that kind of unfolds from a Patriots fan perspective. We'd love to get Johnny on for that. But I, I don't think Zappi's a world beater. I think he's like anybody else. If you if you heat Zappi up, he's going to throw interceptions. He proved that last night against Chicago. This is an incredibly winnable game, and we should really give them their own segment. Let's take a break now because I do want to get into that Elijah Moore thing from earlier. So essentially, on Friday, it came out that Elijah Moore was what we can only call, I don't know, pulling a Denzel Mims. He requested a trade because he is not happy with his role in this offense. Elijah Moore, I think, was targeted a lot more in the first couple weeks under Joe Flacco. Yeah. I don't know if Zach has the same chemistry with Elijah Moore, apparently. They didn't play a lot together last year because Zach was injured for so long, and the targets just aren't there. It's a weird move on Elijah Moore's part, who, like, by all accounts coming into the season was one of the leaders on this team and one of the leaders in that wide receiver room and not somebody you'd think would be a malcontent on a team that was four and two when he made the decision to request a trade. The team is winning, you know, maybe the offense might not be playing that great, but the team is winning and it just seems like a very selfish move from the outside. Uh, I know football's a business yeah, and I know Elijah's got to be thinking about his next contract like anybody else. But this is only year two for Elijah Moore. He was drafted last season, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Elijah Moore does not hit free agency for, what, two more seasons after this? Three more seasons after this? It's a little selfish to be worried about your stats when you've got multiple years left before you hit free agency to me. I don't know. This 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 struck a tone with me, and, and, and I was really displeased to see that and really disappointed in Elijah on, like, a personal level. Absolutely agree with that. I will I will uh, rebut one thing though. When you when you say even the Denzel Mims thing, 
that's a different situation in the sense like Denzel Mims was like, I kind of want to leave because I think I'm going to get a DNP for 17 games. Like Elijah Moore has taken more snaps than uh, I believe I heard this mm-hmm. from somewhere or read it that the, he's taken the most offensive snaps for the Jets all season. Like he is the he's been on the field the most outside of Zach and what it, you know, so. Uh, Elijah Moore has been has been given opportunities and he's been getting out there and yeah he didn't get any targets in the uh, the Packers game but we, we talked about what the the most targets anybody got was like didn't Tyler Conklin he was tied with like three or something like nobody in that offense was getting targeted because they were running all over the place and it the fact that you know it's it's a fr- I can understand the frustration of being what you see to be coming into the NFL and. You're going to be on this new hotshot young team and you're going to be targeted a lot and his targets going down every week. But it's yeah, it's so tone deaf to not see the not only what's had just first of all that you're winning, but second of all, the the kind of energy of the team around you. Like there's no way that anybody else on the team, I don't think at this point would have would have made that move. And so it's yeah, it's extremely it's extremely sad, it's extremely disappointing, but it's kind of like things like this are also you just don't need this kind of distraction like and I know that's a sports cliche thing to say but even from a playing standpoint like you don't want to have a situation where like I agreed with the decision to bench him because you can't have a situation where he's out there on the field like they're not going to trade him they don't want to trade him and they're not interested in trading him and there's and there's that's not going to happen so you know, if you're gonna, if he's not gonna be happy, you don't want to have a situation where he's out there and it's like, oh, well, they have to feed Elijah Moore the ball, you know, or right. you don't want any kind of competitive disadvantage around this. So the decision is like, okay, if you don't want to play in Denver, we're gonna leave you home. Right. I don't know if you get a sense of this. Do you think that the team? Do you think that it's going to be a situation he can patch up with the team because he's not getting traded? So it's either that or he's just, you know, just kind of gonna be grumpy or just out of the offense for the rest of the year because i don't there's no way if if joe douglas could trade him he'd be traded as we just saw with the robinson thing yeah so here's the thing i actually would push back on that a little bit i think that elijah moore will be traded and probably sooner rather than later Mm, interesting the jets have come out publicly and said they have zero interest in trading elijah moore they want him here but here's the thing kevin you mentioned that they benched him this past week against denver how many games in a row do you get to waste a roster spot on a benched Elijah Moore when you could have somebody actually playing for you on the active roster? It's almost like he's he's taking up a job to sit there, and I don't know how long that's going to sit well with the front office because Elijah Moore clearly has no interest in playing for the New York Jets anymore, and so whether the Jets want him out there or not, it's kind of not even up to them at this point. I think the fact that he was benched almost signals that they are going to trade him because if they truly had no interest in trading them, then why wasn't he on the field? It was the Jets' decision to keep Elijah out, not Elijah keeping himself out, which is relevant uh, in terms of the money. If the Jets have Elijah more active and Elijah Moore just chooses not to show up, he's missing out on a game check. Whereas if they can make up some sort of DNP, some sort of fake injury for him, which it looks like they did, he still gets paid for the week. So this is a situation where I don't know if it's going to work itself out. It's it's not a contract dispute. It's not about money where he'll only be holding out for a certain amount of time until they can work out the contract situation. His concern is targets. And like you said, they can't really change the game plan to get him more targets without being transparent about that to the whoever they're playing that week. We'd like to see the Jets throw deep more and, you know, no pun intended, more is their deep threat. Right. So when you're saying they should really let Zach 
rip it down the field a little bit more, open up this offense. At least we know arm strength is is one of his positive traits. Right. And that's where Elijah Moore could really help this team. And I think because they've been so run heavy, they've been so play action, ball control, I don't know how much Elijah Moore fits into that, and it's showed in his targets. When Joe Flacco was in the lineup, they did take more deep shots, and Elijah Moore saw more targets. So I do think that Moore is going to leave this team sooner than later. I I do not believe the Jets' uh, public statements about not trading him for a second, to be honest with you. But I guess the question would be, well, there's two things. When actually is the trade deadline? This is like something I should know and don't. So the trade deadline is coming up. It's in less than a week from today. It's on November 1st. Okay. All trades have to be in before 4 p.m. Eastern time on November 1st. Okay. Because I get the sense from Douglas that if he gets an offer he thinks is right, they're going to they're gonna ship him. So I guess, yeah, between now and then, I don't want to be on the limb of being like, there's no way they trade him, and then immediately they trade him. You know, the, the, there's no way Ashton Davis makes a team. He's on the team. You just, <laughs> just kind of have to be like, oh, okay, yeah, sometimes stuff happens, you don't think. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, there's part of me that just, yeah, I mean, obviously we're against what Elijah Moore is doing here. And it's, yeah, there, there's I, there's no way that either one of us wanted to defend him in any way. So I think Joe Douglas is still looking at him as like a young asset and a young player. And I would be surprised if, even though the team is doing well, I'd be surprised if he was willing to roll the dice on that this early. You know, I mean, the thing with a lot of these GMs, too, is like they're trying to always extend their job further and further. And obviously we were a pro Douglas podcast, I think over overall. And we certainly have been recently this year with like the draft and all of these things. But mm-hmm. yeah, you do have to look at it. Like you don't want to be the guy who said, Oh yeah. Okay. He was Elijah Moore was mad that one week. So we shipped him off or whatever. And then he becomes, you know, some huge receiver on some other team. And it's like, that ends up being kind of a mark on your legacy. Now I don't, I'm not, that's going maybe a little far. I don't know if Joe Douglas, I think he's, you know, trying to live in the moment and do what needs to be done. Obviously, we see the right, running back move that's looking at a 5-2 and two team and saying we need this asset and that's what's what's going on. So I, I, I do trust him. And in that sense, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'd be a little skeptical if he was able, if he wanted to make a kind of move in this amount of time. It's week seven. There's 10 weeks left. I, I'm just, I'm not sure that, like, if this ends up being somehow patched up even if it's a media pr thing right it's not actually patched up in the locker room or whatever it is but he has to come out and say something Hmm. that seems like a better outcome than than potentially getting a little hasty here especially we're talking about a situation that offensively really the problem is zach yeah so you know if he can't hit anybody he's not going to be able to hit elijah Moore. I guess my final concluding thought is, are we sure this is all an Elijah Moore problem or an Zach problem? Again, we're chastising Moore. We're, we're, you know, this is not, this is a terrible tone deaf, bad teammate move. But like, is that a concern? Do you think that he's like, this guy can't throw well, (laughs) and that's going to be a problem going forward. I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's 100% Zach based. I mean, well, it's it's at least 70% Zach based. Maybe, you you know, there's a little bit of blame going on to the coordinator of, you know, not drawing up sure, right. plays for Elijah Moore, maybe. But uh, obviously, it's it's a function of this offense, and the struggles passing of this offense do stem from Zach, not the coordinators. There's no doubt about it. By the way, I have to say, can we just bring this up? We do a little broadcast thing every now and again. It's really amazing 
how well Brett Rippon was able to play while the color commentator was sucking his cock that hard. Like it's <laughs> like compl- playing quarterback and receiving that much audio, <laughs> receiving that much commentary related fellatio is very impressive. So I can't even. I mean, type. I get the idea. <laughs> I don't. Did you did you watch the game with the sound on, or, or did you catch any of that at all? Because it was. Like, I get the idea. Like the guy comes in, and you can't just be like, "Oh, here's Brett Rippin. This guy kind of sucks." Like you have to, you know, you have to kind of talk him up and say, "But like, he's a backup, dude. He played exactly the way any backup anybody thought he would. Play. He is exactly who you thought he was going to be in like the whole game." He's like, the, "My favorite was uh, he fumbles the snap, takes like two steps back gets happy feet and throws a ball out of bounds on the color commentator whoever I, I i don't know who the name was but i know ian eagle was calling the game but he was just like uh, uh, for the play-by-play but the guy's like you know that's the first time i've seen him lose his poise all day <laughs> i was like yeah 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 i agree <laughs> he definitely lost his voice because he like almost turned the ball over twice in one play <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot did brett Rippon throw the ball more than 10 yards in the air in this game one time there was like a long, wasn't there a long Jerry Judy kind of miracle on the sideline catch? It's up, it's probably over ten years. He did take a couple of shots to the end zone at like the near the very end of the game that didn't work out. Well, this is by the way, I'm th- throwing this out there. This is not anti Brett Rippon. It was he just did what he was supposed to do. It was just this announcer was like, I felt like every time he got the ball, he's like. Well, obviously the offense is is uh, wondering what it's going to be like without Russell Wilson. It's like, yeah, you think? <laughs> you think? Like, <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't much worse with Rippon than it was with Russell Wilson. It's not like Russell Wilson was pushing the ball down the field. That's the other thing. And he kept being like, these fans have got to be disappointed to not see Russ out there. And I'm like, I don't know if you've talked to a Broncos fan recently because this, I don't know if that's specifically the case so far this season, at least, obviously, but. Well, it must be your first game this year. We'll catch you up. Yeah, it's not been great for us. And there should be, and this is this is a free this is free money for people who involved in the gambling industry. If you're working for the DraftKings or FanDuel, we're not asking for an ad. But I'm, if this works out, there should be an over under on how long it takes into the game before the announcers have to do the obligatory thing of going. You know, Russ and Brett have are really tight in the quarterbacks room every week. They really those guys <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, I bet Russ and him are like just hanging out all the time. Just having a great moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> like Russ just got there. <laughs> like, first of all, he is <laughs> and then it's like, Yeah, I'm sure he's like Here's a picture of Brett ripping on a boat with Sierra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like I don't <laughs> last week I wasn't sure if his name was pronounced Brett or Brent and like I don't know. Russ probably knew that, you know, he probably did get that shit down. Correct. But like, no, it's, it's just, I guess they probably did it with Jets games this year. I don't even, I was blocking it out or something where they were like, you know, Flacco and Zach. I'm sure they did it with, yeah, they're tight. They're tight. So yeah, sometimes might, it might be true, but it's just hilarious. I want that reporting when it's the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. If they were like, you know, uh, we talked to Joe Flacco this week, and he said that uh, Zach's a little prick. Yeah. You, you know, like I, I would want if it, if the opposite were true, then I want that level of exactly, reporting. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> I just assume everybody on the fifty-three man roster is best friends. Thank you. I talked to Joe before the game, and he said Zach's mid. Actually, is what he told me. Just does that straight up. That's what he said. Yeah. I was surprised as you. Back to you, Ian. You know, we also had a great announcing moment where they threw the they did the thing where they throw to the highlights of another game. But then he accidentally threw to the wrong crew. So he's like, all right, back to you, Andrew, and whatever. And then he's like, 
and this is Iron Eagle in the booth. Um, and then, yeah, then, of course, they had to do the big course correction later on in the game where he's like, back to you, Ian. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have to laugh about it. But, yeah, it was one of those, like, back to you guys. And it's like, uh, that's not us, but thanks for the update anyway. Did we do defense stuff? I mean, pretty good. We got some good DJ Reed. I feel like we should shout him out slightly more on the pod. Just because of how much we do sauce, we don't have a DJ Reed audio drop, and and maybe we should. So we'll at least mention him a few <laughs> more times. That's for sure. He's he's having a fantastic year in his own right. And I like Quan Alexander is flying around out there weirdly. I don't know. He seems like I know he's probably not stats wise so good, but he's flying like he's in a lot of plays. The sideline to sideline speed of of Quan Alexander and Quincy Williams to add to what CJ Mosley does in the middle has been like unbelievable for this team at the linebacker level. Cross your fingers that that group stays healthy for the rest of the year. So you're you're betting the Jets against the Patriots is what you're telling me. I am. You know, it's funny. I, I thought the line may have moved a little bit this morning after the shellacking that the Patriots took last night at the hands of the Chicago Bears. I know. I thought it would be a pick at least. Yeah, at pick them. So on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., so it's after Monday Night Football, Tuesday morning at 7, the line was still... Patriots laying two and a half. And I, I just cannot understand that. The fact that you're giving them multiple points in a game, the Patriots are three and four, the Jets are five and two. The Jets' defense has looked fantastic over the first seven weeks. The prognosticators in Vegas, like sometimes you think, do they watch football? But then week after week, all of these games come within, come so close to these spreads, right? Yeah. Vegas predicts these games so, so well. So obviously this is some sort of trap for the Jets, right? It has to be. For that line to make any sense, and, you know, most lines end up making sense, maybe we're in for a tougher challenge than we thought. Maybe this is a a Bill Belichick, they're going to shut down the one thing the Jets do well, which they couldn't do to the Bears. But I think the Jets are a better version of the Chicago Bears. I think Zach's playing a little bit better than Justin Fields, although he doesn't have some of the same rushing numbers. We've got better receivers than the Bears. Uh, our defense is playing a little bit better than theirs. They're similar. Um, but I think we're just a better version of the team that just kicked their ass on Monday night. Am I wrong? I mean, you might not be. First of all, one thing, on FanDuel, as of right now, I have Patriots giving a point and a half. So it's technically not multiple, but it feels insulting nevertheless. So it has moved over the course of Tuesday. <laughs> I think okay. they I think they dropped a point after the uh at the Bears thing, but I thought that would move to a pick after getting beat 33 to 14. With the Jets at home, this game should be Jets minus one and a half. But see, that's the thing. That's the thing. If the game was Jets minus one and a half, are we having a different conversation? <laughs> Welcome to Jets bets. <laughs> because the problem would be then I'd be like <laughs> as soon as they're favored there's going to be people just hammering the money line on the Patriots, right, in a Patriots-Jets game. So I get maybe the idea is to just chase away enough people. Because the the goal of spreads is to get people to bet both sides. It's not to actually represent the game, even though they do, right, right? like, as you say. Yeah, this is – I'm worried. I'm nervous. It's a a Patriots thing. It's a Belichick thing. He always has a personal vendetta against against the Jets in a way he wouldn't have against the Bears, you know. That's the thing. But I think everything you're saying from a football perspective makes sense. It does seem like the Jets are a better version of the Bears. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about the uh, Zach piece, but I'm not a huge Fields guy, so 
that's kind of a wash for me. But like you say, I would expect more Zach in the running game. If I'm Mike LaFleur, I'm looking at this team and being like, we got to attack him on the ground. That's the only way we're getting this done. Because if the idea is that Belichick's going to try to take that away and it's going to become, you know, Zach trying to fling the ball out there, that's not a situation that I want to see. And I guess I'm just nervous that that's going to be the case. But on the other hand, if Zach is able to pull anything kind of out of that situation, if he can pull anything out of some scrambling backyard plays and then they can establish an attack and I think get ahead early would be something because obviously with the defense you can establish some time, you can establish some tempo, you can get the running game going with Robinson and Carter. So, you know, that would be the the path to victory here, but I'm nervous. I'm I'm always nervous and it's 5 and 2 Jets and playing the Patriots. I mean, again, it's just you talk about the having Johnny on the podcast. We hope he comes back because last time we talked it was what like an absolute killing and it was like this is never going to get any better and so here we are and there's always a nervous part of me but you know i mean it's uh yeah we'll see how it goes hopefully hopefully they're able to pull all these pieces together yeah we'll still have him back on to talk about the rookie quarterback that he psyched on it's a completely different player but <laughs> two years in a row the patriots fans get a rookie quarterback they can be psyched yeah out. the other one r.i.p mccorkle jones's career last night mccorkle did we lose him already? Is he gone now? Yeah. Is he backed? Yeah. I think he's well. he's been officially zappied until further notice. <laughs> he's been zapped out, zappied out. Yeah. You start to really worry about Matthew Judon in this game more than you were already worried about him and how much time he's going to spend on top of Zach. Because even in a Patriots loss, Judon looked really good last night. I think he sacked Fields three times. So he just might live in that Jets backfield if they don't do something about it. Oh, God. Hopefully they do something to prevent it. You could chip with, you know, Conklin or one of the tight ends. But if we're looking at prop bets for this Jets-Pats game, I, if there's like a Judon over 0.5 sacks, I would hit it pretty hard. Try to make some money off of it as we're weeping in our beer. That's um, third and 18. <laughs> I like Michael Carter, all-purpose yards, running and receiving combo. And I like Matthew Judon to get some sacks. Those are my two player props going into this game. The Carter thing, people might be sleeping on, too, because they're like, oh, they lost Priest, they can't run, and they forget that Carter was good last year. And, or they'll um, see Robinson coming in, and they're like, okay, that yeah. he's the new lead dog. And I don't know yeah. if that's necessarily going to be the case. No, I think he's in there to keep the ball out of Ty Johnson's hands, which, God bless America. Because <laughs> he's <laughs> fine, but like he can't, he can't catch at all. By the way, if you're curious, the starting right guard on the depth chart is Nate Herbig in the absence of AVT. So there you go. Okay. That's going to wrap things up for another week of Just End the Show. We will be back next week to talk Jets and Patriots. Until then, enjoy the games, everybody. Kevin, take us out. Just End the Show. Just end-